Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Sean D. Evans and Tico Constant. They are the hosts of the YouTube channel OMG Nexus. Their two shows, Kicking Tables and Flipping Tables, cover both game creator interviews and board game discussions. Gentlemen, welcome to the binge. How are you doing today? Hey, how are you doing, good. James? I'm good. Thanks good, for having thank us you. on. Oh, it's, it's awesome. It's nice you guys. to be on the other side of an interview this time, you know? It's, it's true, weird. Right? It's weird, but nice. It is yeah. crazy weird. I've been on the other, I've been on other people's podcasts and it's like, I don't know what to do here. Like I'm actually answering questions now instead of just yeah. being the guy hurling poo at the other person. Right. So, because yeah, usually when you're, when you're doing, it's like, you know exactly what you're going to do. Like this is I'm, it's coming now. We're like, wait a minute! I don't know what to expect now. What's coming? Eh? What's this guy going to say? Well, let's let, the elephant in the room. Let's let's address this. We both have. I don't know if we can see it in the frames here. Both have little baby Grogu's in our uh, panels. Mine's over my right shoulder. You have yours as oh, well. My daughter won't let me take take hers away. So oh no, <laughs> we could have had three Grogu's. We could awesome. we could have had three, but she she won't let that go. So as I said, kind of in the intro, you guys have this YouTube channel, OMG Nexus. I really want to get into kind of the history of this. I love the channel. I think it's great. The content is very, very well produced. Clearly that is a result of, you know, over a decade of uh, you doing interviews and, you know, kind of cultivating Mm -hmm. this to get to where it is right now. And I want to dig into that because I think it's a pretty cool story. But why don't we start off with kind of who are you guys? So, well, Sean, kind of who are you? What's your background? Like, what's your day job when you're not playing board games? Yes. Well, I mean, uh, my career is I'm a software developer. Hmm. Uh, I work in a small company here in, in Waterloo, Ontario, but uh, it's a very small company, like seven people. It's great. Um, so, yeah, I've been a software developer for many years. Um, and I, I quite enjoy that. I do a lot of SQL work, like working with databases and SQL coding and VB.net and all that stuff. It's I'm I'm a I'm a coder at heart. I, you know, I taught myself how to program computers back like in the Vic 20 days. I literally taught myself how to program. And so here I am actually doing it for a living. The first uh, time I ever made a game was actually on my Commodore 16. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Okay. Commodore 16, 16 like, all yep, the way back. That's that's way back. That is like super old school, and uh, yeah, just using BASIC, right? And it's amazing yeah. the things you used to be able to do back then. And yep. uh, certainly, the technology has advanced uh, yeah. quite a bit <laughs> since. You know, then. There's, there's a story I like to tell about my programming history. It's that sure. when I got to grade nine, of course, back then they started adding computer programming into high schools and stuff, right? But we're talking like the Commodore PET days because I'm old. Mm. Um, and for those who don't know, OMG for OMG Nexus actually stands for old married gamers. Okay. So that's, that's a bit of history there (laughs) on what that means. But, uh, I got to grade nine programming. I showed the teacher a program I had written and I'll never forget this. He looked at me and said, why are you here? I have nothing to teach you. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a very easy semester. Let me tell you. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. And is that is that kind of what fostered your love of games? Do you think this kind of back with the initial programming and it, you know I I don't even know if I can pinpoint why I love games. I've just I have my whole life Commodore sixty four growing up playing the old school video games. I mean yeah. I grew up playing board games. I've had I've got a copy of Clue from nineteen seventy two. 
Oh, awesome. uh, like I grew up playing Clue and Othello and IQ 2000 and Stratego, like all those yeah. classics. Stock you know? ticker. Yeah. Like I even have, um, remember Scotland Yard? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have that upstairs, the original from the, whatever the seventies or eighties, whatever that came out. And uh, so I've always had a love of board games and it probably was stuff like Munchkin that really got me back into like the, what they, I guess you call this the specialty board gaming, you know, not yeah, your traditional board games. The new era of gaming is I think Munchkin and pandemic is really what got me into like this new, Oh man, games is more than just what I've grown up with. Right. There's a whole new world out there. Yeah. And a lot of people I talk to, um, uh, settlers of Catan is another good example of that where instead of the classic, you know, Monopoly, where you're going around a board, and there was a lot yeah. of games that were very similar to that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I know in Canada there was, I mean, I'm Canadian as well, and there was several games that were done locally, which were the same kind of idea where you're little people going around, you know, little token yeah. going around a circle, or maybe they would change it so it's you know a, a different shape, but you're essentially doing the Hexagon same thing, going or something in a loop, like right? that. Just throw, yeah. Yeah, and then you get Settlers of Catan and these other games where it's like, okay, you're you're no longer doing that. Now you're you're injecting strategy, and you know there's some. I hate to use the word agency because that that word drives me nuts. But there was a lot of player agency in it versus you know something where you're just rolling a die, moving uh you know the thing around the table. It's really there's not there's, you know the the, the probability is going to dictate the outcome, not necessarily your your efforts and so forth. And so, yeah. pandemic uh, that, had a really big impact on me. Um, and you know, I'll be the first to admit that it was Will Wheaton's tabletop that introduced me to it. And as soon as cool. I saw them playing, I'm like, what is this game? I need this game in my life. And now I have every, I have every version of pandemic. Uh, there's a picture out there probably on my Facebook where it's got the, every pandemic game is on a shelf in my you're, game. You're missing, you're missing one now. The, I'm going to challenge you. Uh, do you have contagion? Yes. You do have contagion. I do. Yes. The versus. Yes. Oh, that's one of my favorite <clears> games. But what that did for me was like, it introduced me to this co-op gaming and that was like, okay, I just adore co-op gaming now because of pandemic. Right. So now it's like, man, I really just like co-op games because that way Tico can't beat me. Right. Because we have to work no, together. We have to, we, we win together. <laughs> That's right. We, we, when we play games and, and this is, this is you know, my, my, I'm a very competitive person. Oh my gosh. Gosh. That's why like I've, I absolutely have loved board games, card games, and I, I play as often as I can. And for a large portion, people just would stop playing with me because Tico I'm, is ruthless. I'm, I'm fairly good at these, and I I don't well, mind some of the strategies that people like to take that mechanics and stuff like that. I don't mind them so much where other people really hate them. Yeah. And so I I really enjoy. And so when we were able to play cooperative games, Sean tends to not flip the table and walk away as often. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to be the first to admit that I lose to Tico a lot, but it's because Tico sees things I don't. Tico yeah. has a very strategic mind when it comes to I, gaming, I, uh, especially take that mechanics, even just, just non-cooperative games, your competitive gaming. Yeah. Tico just I, has I a mind playing, that I grew up playing chess. I don't. My, my dad was mm. uh, was ranked um, in Canada for, for chess. And so I grew up playing chess. Mm. I grew up playing, you know, watching him play. I, I, I've played against other ranked players. I had one situation i think it was about 10 or 11 and i was at a tournament with my dad playing chess and one of the the guys there who was ranked in the top 100 in canada said well here just wow. play a quick game so i can practice and i beat him and he wow. got so upset wow that he walked out of the room and then quit the tournament jeez and uh and so did you, know, you take I, his place no i was i wasn't allowed to i wasn't old enough to play 
I wasn't like there was, it was a, was a, they had certain rules and stuff like that, but I've ever since, like, I've just always enjoyed that sort of competitive aspect. And so the cooperative thing, it's the same thing. It's just, you're working together towards against yeah. the game. Yeah. That's interesting. Like usually when I talk to people that like, uh, or don't like co-ops, like take that in and yep. vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. Rarely do you see kind of both. And so I want to get into your history in a second too, Tico, sure. but sure. Sean, so you're, you're gravitating towards co-ops. Is that, is that stem from having bad experiences with, um, you know, take that games in the past or. I don't think so. I think it was just playing pandemic. Like I said, which mm. introduced me to co-op was like, man, I just love this, this like playing against the game. I yeah. love that mechanic where, where you, you are playing against the game itself. And there was something about that that was like, wow, I just love this mechanic, you know, um, because because another sort of co-op game also has the versus mode in it is uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill, which I adore. But that's still a versus. It, it's a co-op. Then one person becomes a betrayer. And it's even fun being the betrayer, even though you're working against yeah. everyone else. There's a fun to be had there. So it's not that I I don't like them, but it just I think it opened up a world that I didn't know existed. And I just yeah. I love that mechanic of playing against the board itself. So Tico, what's your background? What how did you get into this whole thing? And what do you do during the so, day when you're not playing board games? So uh, right now I'm I'm working with a marketing company for um for General Mills, um oh, nice. managing uh managing the operate some of their operations. Um, but I, I've really, I've, I've worked retail for, for a number of years. So it's, it's one thing after the other. Um, I've, I've sort of been very fortunate with my, my career. I, I worked for, and this is where Sean and I met actually was I managed an EB games, hmm. uh, store, um, or GameStop. And I was a regular customer. Yeah. Or GameStop for, for your us, uh, listeners. And Sean was one of my regulars and he kept dropping off his resume. It's like, listen, if you need Christmas help, I'd love to come in and work here. I'm like, why is this guy keep right. bugging me? So finally I hired him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to, to let him work work Christmas thing, and then he was there like he was just he just stayed on it? the payroll. It like was there four for years, four, four years. years like, yeah, like he'll that? pick up shifts on the weekend every once in a while and stuff like that, so he can yeah. get his discount on his on his stuff. That and, was really what it was all about. I mean, yeah. I was working a full time job, and then I would come back and work a couple nights a week or a weekend because I got discounts on games, so it was yeah. worth it. And so yeah, got to work in in an industry again, and you know made a, made a close friend out of that. I left there and actually went to work for Microsoft for a little bit. So, you know, having that video game uh, aspect, when I left Microsoft, Sean had started, um, you know, doing his reviews and video games reviews, which I couldn't do when I worked for Microsoft because it was a conflict, more potential yeah. conflict. And so when I left that, uh, when I left Microsoft to go do something else, I called up Sean, like, if you ever want a guest host for your show, I would love to, to hop on and, and, and join. And uh, he's like, yeah, sure. Why not? So he let me join one and he hasn't never got rid of me since. Yeah, I couldn't get rid of him after so, that. So this yeah, was... He let it, me join one episode and I just sort of stuck around. Yeah. No, I mean, and there's been a lot of episodes, right? Like when I look at... Um, a lot. When I, it only goes back like five years. I know you guys are even further back than that. Did you change to a different channel at one point or was there... So the OMG Hour was just a podcast when it started in 2012. Okay. All right. So I had uh, my blog started in 2010 as lasting first impressions. And my idea behind that was, uh, you know, as a, as a father of young kids, uh, as an older um, father of, of kids, uh, you know, we don't have time 
we don't have hours and hours and hours to put into video. Now we're talking video games at this point. Yeah. Into video games to decide if this is a good game for me. Like I want to sit down and know that this is a, as, as soon as I play this game, you know, this game has one hour to catch my attention or it's going somewhere else. There's too many other games out there. Yeah. So that was the idea behind Lasting First Impressions. I reviewed a game after one hour of of gameplay not including tutorials or whatever right to see is this a game that's worth coming back to for those people who don't have time in the day to play uh and so that's where lasting first impressions came out and then it was in 2012 that i started the omg hour podcast with a gentleman named uh craig um and so we started that and uh and then jeff came on uh, Jeff Jenkins or Cynics, as other people know him, he came on as a co-host around episode 20 and he stayed on till episode 350, 300, I was, was one of the 300, 300. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And uh, Tico came on around episode 169 and that's when our, the OMG hour became a three person show uh, because we couldn't, I, said, I wouldn't leave. So yeah, well, he wouldn't no leave. Choice. Well, was there a specific but, game console that you would focus on, like with these? No, we we did we, uh, we did everything. everything. Like, so we had PlayStation, Xbox, uh, Nintendo. We played all of it. Like I have all the consoles, so we always covered what we played. We covered the gaming news for yeah. the week. But for for the first uh, four or five years of the show, that was it was just audio. It was just a podcast. Yeah. And then in 2016, we decided, you know, for episode 200 let's go to YouTube. Let's do a live show. So it became like your show. It became a yeah. live show and then a podcast. We took the audio and it became the podcast. And that lasted until uh, January of this year. So episode 400 was our final episode of the OMG hour. We had yeah. done that show weekly for nine, nine and a half years straight. That was a weekly yeah. show. That is crazy. Yeah. And then by that point, it That's was like, you know what? The extra... Extra so stuff we it, did, yeah, yeah. We we you did know? we did a TV one for like four months. Well, we done a lot of podcasts, and there was a time, <laughs> James, when I had four podcasts going every week As, because and, I was just I was in this mode of man, I just love this. So I had the OMG hour. I had prime time, which was talking about television. We had gamers unscripted, which is a bunch of other gaming podcast hosts that would just come together like once yeah. every couple of weeks. So it was like a like a, a crossover show where we'd have guests or we'd have hosts from other shows come on and do it right and that was literally on script there was no show notes just we're just going to talk about whatever we want right for an hour guys getting in and and talking about stuff yeah i was gonna say because girls i mean as we all know content creation is not always quick right and there's you know people see like even this podcast you know 30 minute podcast you know, this must not take the guy much time. Well, you know, every 30 minute podcast, what they don't realize is at least hours, you know, hours at least an work. hour of production that goes into that research yeah. is another hour. So per episode, yeah. we're looking at probably a two and a half hour investment minimum. Yeah. And I can't imagine doing, I mean, we do two episodes a week. I can't imagine doing four. Well, um, and we also had lost treasures of gaming with Sid Bolton, who was, uh, he had, uh, he had the record, I believe in Canada for the most video games. He had a video game. He had a computer museum in Brantford and he yeah. owned yeah. 15,000 video games. Holy like every smokes. console, pretty much he had every game oh, for was- every console throughout the ages. Uh, it was just absolutely incredible. And unfortunately we lost Sid back in 2018. Oh. Uh, so that 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 was hard to to lose Sid. He was a guest on our yeah. show 
on the OMG Hour, he started a segment on the show called Lost Treasures, which was talking about old school games and just sort of the history behind these old games that people may have forgotten about. Yeah. Uh, and then we we actually spun that off into its own show where we interviewed the developer of those old games. Right. Oh, that's cool. So I'm talking like Steve Cartwright from from Activision, from the original days of Activision. Yeah, I got to actually sit down and talk to him. American McGee, like we had all of these guests come on our show and we got to talk to them about their early gaming history. It was so amazing that I got to speak to these icons. There's literally Netflix shows that are dedicated to this now, yeah. right? Of, you know, yes. the, the games you loved back in the 80s and yes. came about. And I was listening to one of your episodes. I think it was uh, a replay as a repost you put on your page uh, or combat. Oh, yes. And, uh, so how Jodic did you pick Jodakur, I think, right? Yeah. So how would you guys yeah. pick the games? Like, would you just somebody just randomly say, oh, I remember this game when I was a kid? Or would you go through the museum? We and had say, some okay. people suggest it, but Sid would use his contacts because Sid had all the games. So yeah. that that essentially was, it was Sid, it was my idea to do the show, but it was kind of Sid's show. Like Sid would do the contact, he would get the person, uh, he would contact them and he would arrange them to come on. And then we would sit down and we, we'd both together come up with the questions to ask and do the, do the interview together. Um, but it really, Sid did all of the hard work on that show. And mm -hmm. then I just put, I just put the audio together afterwards. What so, happened to the the museum after uh, we lost Sid? What, what happened to it? Uh, I think it moved somewhere. I think one of the universities in Brantford took it. I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened to it. Or at least a, a portion. Cause there was a traveling um, component to that museum. Okay. Um, yes. That, that had, had some, had some shows uh, tied, tied to the university as well. So I'm sure yeah, well, some of it is probably still, uh, you know, in, in its, in its original places and some of it's. Well, probably, I know, uh, I know, uh, I know Sid was talking to a university about actually moving the, the thing from his backyard uh into a permanent yeah. location and so yeah. i don't know if that actually happened after he died oh that'd be so cool just the nostalgia there alone right like yeah. i was an 80s kid myself and you know the atari 2600 and oh, uh, yeah. my buddy had a Commodore 64 and i remember when he you know you put the and i love seeing videos of this now you'll see somebody play a, a video of uh like a refurbished like Commodore 64 where they're literally sticking the disc in Yep. Yeah, closing the the little latch, and I I forgot how loud these things were when they would oh. when they were low like you know when I was loading the game, yeah, and it would take like ten minutes, and then you've got this like sixteen bit game or sixty four bit game, I guess in this case, and it's just like, uh but uh, you know it, it takes you right back you know, those sounds oh, yeah. right in in the oh, visuals yeah. and so forth, which is cool. Yeah. So your, your channel right now has basically two main um, shows, right? You've got yes. flipping tables, yeah. and then you got kicking tables. Can you explain the difference to our audience of what these two different shows are? Sure. So kicking tables is our interview show. That's where we talk. It kind of got its name from Kickstarter yeah. because uh, we decided, hey, let's talk to the developers out there who have games coming to Kickstarter. Let's talk to these indies and let's talk. Let's get them some some coverage before their campaign goes live. So that was the idea because I've had yeah. a passion for interviewing people. I have since since the OMG hour started in 2012. Our our earliest episodes have a guest on them that we interviewed. Mm. You know, um, episode two, we had Dan Emmerich, who at the time worked for Activision. We had him on the show. Uh, and we interviewed and, and Dan Amrick can talk, let me tell you. So you just have Dan Amrick on your show, uh, even though he's not a board game guy, but he'll take over the whole show for you. He'll just 
just go. It's great. Dan's an awesome guy, but it was like, literally we would have guests on. Um, we had some very memorable guests over the years. So I've always had a passion for interviewing. So I said to Tico, let's do an interview show. It's the pandemic. That's the really easy thing to do Everybody's because we can just inside. do it from home. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's what we did. We, I reached out to a few people who were on Kickstarter at the time. Mantis Falls. Uh, Julie Newworth was our first guest. Um, and I'm still waiting for my copy. They're, of, they're just fulfilling now. I've seen I know. Some, I'm some still waiting for my copy copies. of Mantis Falls. So, uh, but so um, Julie was our first guest on Kicking Tables, our premiere episode. And then it just went from there. Uh, you know, we talked to uh, Andy who did the shivers because we remembered seeing him at PAX Unplugged. Yeah. Uh, so we had him on and it just, it just, it just flew out of our hands. Like we were doing five interviews a week. You know, it yeah, was absolutely a couple, of, couple of nights sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then we've got flipping tables, which is our review and preview mm. uh, show. So we either a preview for an upcoming Kickstarter or a review of a game that's already out. And that's when we sit down. That's when that's when Tico and I have to get together. So those are not as easy to do as the interview show because the interview we can be at home to do it because right. it's all and, done online. Particularly those during the pandemic when yeah. we had restrictions where it's like, well, well you can it. get together with people in your bubble. I'm like, all right, Sean, you're in the bubble. And I'd, I'd sneak <laughs> out of the house. And I'm like, I, I remember there's a couple of times going up to Sean's because we had piles of stuff waiting for review. I'm like, all right, I'm going to come. Uh, I'm going to park in the driveway. I'll get in really quickly. And I just remember driving home at times. I'm like thinking I'm going to get pulled over and asked oh, yeah. where are, why why, are you, why, yeah. why are you out of your house? Cause we were in so lockdown. Like, I mean, we were, it was. Yeah. 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 I don't think people realize so it was uh, like, legal for me to go there, but you know, they may not have deemed <laughs> our reviews to be, you know, essential, essential work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here in Canada uh, for our listeners and viewers, um, the lockdowns were, uh, were, were were pretty uh, extreme, right? Like it was no joke, right? You could get yeah. pulled over if you yeah. were traveling somewhere and they would ask, you know, why, where are you going? You know, and uh, yeah. you know, it better be a, a valid reason. Right. So how are, are you guys living? Do you live close together or how close are you guys? We're about 45, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So that's yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a, a travel. So it's a bit of a hike. I mean, we do it so often it feels like nothing, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. about an hour door to door from his place to mine. Yeah. So before the pandemic, were you uh, both part of like local gaming groups or meetups or how did you guys do most of your, your gaming uh, pre-pandemic? I, yeah, well, we, we have a, Tico and I had a group. We would get together once a month and play legacy games because we have a passion for legacy games as well. Yeah. So legacy and we, campaign stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So we did like um, Middle Earth, uh, Journeys Through Middle Earth. Um, yeah. And then we did uh, Betrayal Legacy, which was phenomenal. Betrayal Legacy is one of the best legacy games out there. If you haven't played it, mm. you need to play yeah, it. That was that was so much fun. The story and just the the agonizing decisions. Like, believe me, we the four of us or five of us, because Jeff was playing that one too, right? Yeah. The yeah. five of us literally argued over decisions at the end of the game because you had to make a decision because then you chose a specific. You had to read a specific passage in the book to based on your decision which would change how the game went forward for the next chapter and we would debate over what to do (laughs) it was so great though you know and and just i will not spoil the ending of it but it was like i didn't see that coming and that is amazing the way they the way the way the game ended and where it leads was amazing 
even the very first game of that had, oh, had like the, I, again, the first chapter, days, the yes. very first chapter, the very first game we played by the end of that <laughs> game, we knew we were hooked on that because of how well they delivered that story. Yes, yeah. it was. It yeah. was so well done. It was so, so like such a, a swerve that we're like, yeah, no, we're we're in on this. And I think we played the entire fourteen scenarios, or, you know, chapters in like over three or four, four three or four sessions. Yeah. So we would have a regular group to play those, and but I I also years ago uh, I would go to a monthly meetup group to mm-hmm. play board games. So though I was, I also helped organize it as well until it kind of, those things tend to just eventually fall apart as, yeah. as less and less yeah. people start coming out. So we would use meetup, the meetup app, and we would plan monthly uh, game nights. And then eventually it just kind of petered out. So that was always the, fun, uh, yeah. the, my experience with the meetup app, I think has been great. And I can't wait to think is kind of fully return uh, here in, uh, in Canada and you know, where we all live. Um, you know, the one I, I was part of was a new market and uh, they had on an average night, you know, 20 people would show up and it was always at like a restaurant or it'd be at like a pub or a coffee shop. And, um, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see, you know, in the same city, they would, they would switch from week to week to different places and some people crossed over and some didn't. So you'd have like certain groups yeah. at one place versus the other and always new people coming in and a chance to meet new people. And I think it really solidified to me how good board games are in terms of a, yeah. a social tool, right. To really oh, yeah, for and, sure. and, and meet people. I think it's just yeah. awesome. How have you, how have you um, participated in uh, shows and things like that? Obviously with the lockdown, did, did you do any of the virtual shows at all or? I didn't actually. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I was kind of, I mean, one, I just, I didn't have the time to do it. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't scheduled at a time where I could actually go because I had other things going on. But second, I'm like, how does this even work? I don't quite yeah. understand. Some of them what? were very confusing with the time I, zones and and how do you log in and where do you log in? I did watch a couple myself. Like I watched, there's a few of them that were I was interested in. So I did watch a few of them, but I found this the same thing. It's, it's, I want the meat when I'm, when I'm watching that, you know, like when we go to a show, you walk around, you see the game you want, and you talk about that game. I want the meat. So I would just go, it's going to be on YouTube later. I'll just, you know, yeah. go and find out the details that was announced that show afterwards and watch the pieces that I want to see. Yeah. My, my other issue too, is a lot of these, uh, they have the, the virtual meetups through uh tabletop simulator. Yeah. I will be completely honest with you. I hate playing on tabletop simulator. Yeah. I, I, I can't pinpoint exactly why, but I, I cannot enjoy a game on tabletop simulator because I'm more fighting with the controls and trying to see what I'm doing and see yeah. the board than trying to play the game. Yeah. Right. It's too much moving around, zooming in, zooming out, hitting yeah. the wrong buttons. Like, wait, what button does this again? It's just, it's too much. And I can't see the board properly the way I want to see it. You know? Yeah. The analogy I gave to you, I think it was uh, Jess um, or game girl, Jess, Jessica Cassidy. Uh, we're talking about this and you know, the way I position it is, Tabletop simulator, um, yes, you can you can replicate the environments. Yes, you, know, you can pick things up and, and roll, like actually physically roll a die. But the biggest piece missing is when you're in a live situation and you're playing a game with people at a table, yeah. your vision is zooming in and zooming out instantaneously, right? So you're right. seeing the whole board. That's- then I'm looking closely at my card. Then I'm looking That's down at the right. board, zooming in on a spot, then back to my car, like bang, 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 in, out, in, out, in, out. And your brain That's can process exactly that. It. 
On tabletop simulator, it's like scroll, 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 scroll to get in. Okay, yeah. now I got to scroll back, 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 back to see what I have. And then I go, okay, now I click this button, then I, then I lift my card up. So it it's a good tool for prototyping. And I'll, I'll tell you in terms of the iterative process of prototyping, it is my preferred way now to prototype versus, you know, physically cutting that things out because you can, right. you can yeah. change things quickly. But in terms of pure enjoyment, I think uh, platforms like a, like a Sovereignty, for instance, is one of them out there. Uh, Board Game Arena is another one. I played Board Game Arena a ton when the pandemic first hit because our entire game group were, you know, all commuted to uh, to Newmarket and now no one could leave their house, right? So all those same people, thankfully, you know, played a lot of Jackbox games and would and yeah. would go on Board Game Arena. And yeah. the Board Game Arena and uh, Sovereignty is another platform. We had those guys on the show. What they do very well is they automate a lot of the rules, right? So that you can't kind of go outside the constraints of how the game is designed to be played. So there's there's a little more, I think, um, user, um, I don't know, intuitiveness, I guess, in in yeah. that setup versus something like a, like a tabletop simulator. Yeah, I would um, love to flip. I would love to, to flip see. one card and the whole yeah. deck flips over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I'm pretty sure tabletop simulator can be played in VR, uh, but I don't have VR for the PC. I have mm. Oculus Quest, but you know, games like uh, like Demio on Oculus Quest is like a board game. Yeah, but it's it's perfect because you can zoom right in on this three dimensional board, but your cards are on your hand. So all I have to do is move, put your hand up. And there's all your cards. Oh, and again, cool. like you said, you're not zooming in, zooming out. You're not zooming out to see the board and then zooming in to see your cards. You're just, you're in the board. It's right in front of you. And you put your hand up to look at your cards and grab a card and play it. Yeah. So it's, it's like actually playing it in real life. Yeah. You're just one, refocusing. Yeah. And one, one thing about tabletop, board games is it, it's, it's a in-person experience. It it's an entirely different yeah. thing. It's like playing poker. I can play poker online. And I can sit so down at a card yeah. table and play poker and you're reading your opponent because you're looking at the, you know, looking That's at the right. mannerism and stuff like that. A lot of board games, you're trying to figure out your opponent and stuff like that. You don't, you don't get the sense that you're playing with somebody, I think, on tabletop. That's true. You, know, you got your voice like in that. your head, but it's not that it's, personal connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not the same feeling. Um, and board games, I think, really strive when you're able to, to sit down and when, when you can, you know, you can sort of, you know, get that smirk when you realize your opponent just made a mistake. It's like, oh, I just saw something they missed. And yeah. just being able to see that when, when you're playing it, seeing the look on their face of devastation, it's like, oh, crap, I didn't protect against that. And just that that sense of being in person for it, I think, is... is so one you of like the, to the see things. when you've crushed someone's soul. I, oh, he yeah, does. Game, Absolutely. Right? Oh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's not the point of board games. I thought that was the whole point of board that's, games. That is Tico's point of board games. So where does the your OMG nexus, right? You guys have you know, had a very long journey to get to where you're at, right? So this, you know, 12 years to get to now where we're at with OMG ne nexus, you've got flipping tables and kicking tables. What is next on the horizon? Where where do you take this platform from here? Is there plans to on where you want to see it kind of grow to or, or yeah. what are your thoughts around that? So right now, uh, for my own health my own physical mental health i'm, I'm a bit of just to probably to the end of the year just on a bit of a break so mm. we got we still have a little bit of content we're putting out leftover stuff that i'm still producing uh but we haven't done an interview in like four weeks now yeah. uh and that's that's fine i needed i needed to get away i needed a break and i think a I lot of people can understand that and we've done that a number of times right around the holidays too where we've taken yeah. uh multi-week sort of hiatuses yeah. we can get a chance to regroup we can 
sit down and talk to and talk to with each other say what's working for you what's not working for you what, what can we maybe change like you know and if we're, we're doing... gonna yeah yeah reevaluate how we're going to approach it in the new year yeah i think at this point we may just slow down the number of things we're doing because we were at a point where we were doing like i said three to five interviews a week and like that's just not sustainable and um, some of them some of them were not games like it was just you know we'd have people reach out and we said yes to pretty much everything um, you know we were trying to yeah. build our our channel so we're like you you want to be come on great we said yes to pretty much everything and some of it wasn't in our realm of uh, not necessarily expertise but like our realm of of interest mm-hmm. and so we were doing interviews with some some games where just didn't interest either of us you know and we felt i think we both felt we were going through the motions with those ones and i think that moving forward we're going to really make sure that the games that we are are yeah. talking about and looking at and reviewing are the Much ones that finer focus finer focus on on what really interests us like something like this looks really fun i want to to talk about this not as much of well they 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 sent us an email so we're going to talk about this game because yeah. of that yeah so a little bit more discerning on what we pick uh but also uh over the last year i've gotten much more heavily into dnd i mean i used to play dnd years ago but now i'm like right in it i'm actually i'm actually in a couple of games one's weekly and one's bi-weekly uh i would like to get more our rpg content like even mm. just even just simple things like let's review some really cool dice sets you know yeah. so i'd like to i'd like to have sort of a a dnd dnd accessory side show going on that's kind of where i'm thinking i'd like to go uh with it and just add some more of that because that seems to be very popular we had an interview with with uh john lund from spider mind games for their dragon eye dice game uh dragon eye dice which mm-hmm, i was yeah. a backer of and that interview went bonkers like it was it's up to like i think it's our number three video on on our yeah on our and channel was, right now it was a complete surprise too because we yeah. thought okay this is interesting and we had it was a it's great dice. interview Right. It was a great interview, but, but we didn't think, oh, people aren't going to be that interested to watch a video about somebody for half an hour talking about dice. About dice. <laughs> but no. D&D is huge. Yeah. yeah. Huge. Huge. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I love D&D. I, I'm thinking about D&D all the time, to be honest with you. you know, I've, I, my light source right now is my D&D character sheet, just so you know. Because <laughs> my front light source is my monitor. So I'm like, well, I don't need show notes in front of me. So uh, there's my character sheet. That's my light source. Oh, that's <laughs> so, awesome. So if yeah, anybody wants like to check to add out some D&D stuff, yeah. I was going to say, if anybody wants to check out your channel, uh, I'm going to put a, a link to it in our show notes. Um, but they can certainly find it on YouTube just by typing in OMG Nexus. And yep. uh, they'll find you guys. I, I love what you guys are creating. I hope you keep going. It, uh, it's Thanks, awesome. James. The quality is just top, top notch from a, from a production value. And uh, you're just that. fun guys to watch. So it's been, it's been awesome to get to know you guys more. And uh, I wish you all the best in this, this Thank coming you, year. It's been awesome. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having us on this side of the interview for once. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. It's great. Cheers. Take care. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.